The Plumley Pod, episode 21. Prepare to lift the lid on all things education, not indoctrination. Your voice of reason for home education. The Plumley Pod. Hello and welcome to the Plumley Pod. I'm your host, Sarah Plumley, and today I have Daryl. Daryl is a stay-at-home dad, a fellow truther, and a staunch advocate for critical thinking. It's like Christmas has come early to the Plumley Pod. Welcome, Daryl, and I'm going to dive straight in with the biggest question of all. I hate the way I phrase this. Everyone says they hate the way they phrase this question, but it seems like a really good way, the only way perhaps, to phrase it. So I'll get on with it. What woke you up, Daryl? Hi, Sarah. Um, uh, a couple of people have asked me this um, sort of recently. And I, I, to be honest, it's not an easy, like a lot of people have like a, oh, yeah, it was X, Y, Z. And uh, obviously 9-11 was huge for many people. I mean, you know, the, the inconsistency of what was um, explained to us by, well, governments and or whatever you want to call it, we clearly didn't add up to anybody. And I remember the, the very day of that, I was at school and um, I think I was in the library. Uh, I was probably missing an art class. Uh, and um, I just remember one of, the, one of my friends came in and mentioned it. And I was just like, straight away, I was like, no way, no way planes hit the building. They'd have been shot down. No way. There's no, you know, and, and immediately I knew there was like, something up with that um but going back before that i was i think i think it must have the the, the seed must have been so when my my mum uh she got into david ike she read his books um she she found him very interesting um my dad wasn't so much into it but he was kind of open um initially um they kind of looked the same so perhaps he was a little bit you know jealous <laughs> or something uh but yeah he was like oh that's interesting but obviously he's a nutter because of the reptilian thing and yeah i think i don't know about that but you know it, it's it's uh it's good to call some of these creatures reptiles sometimes because they certainly act like it yeah and you know i remember my mum was she had some magazine, I can't remember what it was called, but it was, I don't know if it was called like a new age magazine or something, but I remember in there, there was like articles about like, don't have fluoride, you know, avoid fluoride and, and aspartame is really bad for you and, and this, that, that and the other. And um, I remember she, like, immediately where she could, she found toothpaste that didn't have fluoride in. And I, I don't think at the time they were fluoridating the water here. They, they, I'm pretty sure they are now because I think, I don't know, at least somebody did a uh, freedom of information or something sort of request to the water company and they use some sort of hydrofluorosalicylic acid or something like that now, uh, which isn't great, but then I filter my water anyway, um, have done for years. And um, yeah, I think those sorts of things, and I mean, I don't know, maybe they decalcified my pineal gland, as, they, as people like to say. I don't know or, or anything really about that. But uh, I think that that was kind of my, my, my window in or my, my, the, the rabbit hole that kind of I fell in. And um, 
yeah, I think that's where it where it began. Uh, and there's been well, every major event that uh, we're told about, um, there's always massive, well, huge questions that aren't answered. And yeah, I think uh, I think that's probably without going into an individual one. I think that's probably where I'd say it began. Yeah, nine eleven. Um, there's you know the Waco thing that was before that, and the first um, trade center. A bomb that I didn't I didn't know any of those things until I started looking at 9-11 then I saw you dig a bit deeper uh you know Bohemian Grove and all those sorts of things which you know yeah I think I kind of got into Alex Jones um early on and um I used to listen to it all the time I'm a bit past that now because I think he goes some places or he doesn't go he used to go to certain places and he's kind of stopped doing that now and he won't. And in, in actual fact, he says he's the most censored. He censors other people as well that, that talk about these things. And, you know, it's a question or certainly a, a little scab that kind of wants to be scratched out sometimes, you know. And um, if you're not going to go, if you're not willing to go everywhere, then I don't know if you're going to actually find the truth fully. Um, yeah, if you're not going to go all in, then you're not solely in search of truth, are you? Because if you really want the truth, then it doesn't matter where it goes, right? You follow it. I don't see any yeah. other... Yeah. How else do you do it? It seems to me that, oh, I want to know the truth, but only up to a certain point. Well, then, sorry, you don't actually want to know what the real truth is. And I'm not having a go at Alex Jones. I think he's done amazing things. I, you know, I've personally consumed his material. My husband calls him the vulgar Texan, but I rather like him. Yeah. And I, I think he's done some good things. And you know, I, I would certainly cite him as one of the people who... Who I've listened to in the past and still to the present day I listen you know to some things it's a bit of recreation for me I don't get a lot, a lot of time for recreation these days so I guess it's an old touchstone mm-hmm. but I certainly appreciate you know some of his documentaries and movies that he's put together are extremely good even though that many of them are sort of 10 20 years old now it's kind of he's been on that path a long time and I, I wonder what kind of awful things have happened to him in, in private that might perhaps have kind of bullied him out of going down this or that avenue. It's speculation, of course, no one can ever really know. But I don't like to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I think a lot of these people, whether they're Pied Pipers or not, I think a, a lot of truth does come out in, in the yeah. process. And I'm willing to tolerate that because, you know, it's very easy for me to sit here as a relative newcomer to this environment, not because I've only recently woke up, I haven't. I've been awake, unfortunately, for well over a decade. Um, arguably a lot longer than that because I had problems with 9-11 as well. I didn't understand how, and before I go for this, I I did not have the language at 17 years old that I'm about to use now to explain my position. When I was 17, I just knew that there's something not right with that and I couldn't articulate it because I did not have the words. But what I will say now is what I witnessed was asymmetric damage to two buildings and then symmetrical collapse. Now, I know, because I'm quite good at mathematics and a little bit of physics for obvious reasons, I teach maths, I know, my brain knows that that's not possible. If something sustains asymmetric damage, you do not get symmetrical collapse. I know that, but I couldn't, my problem was at 17, I had no way to articulate that. I didn't know how to use the internet. I was still learning how to send my first email. The computers at school had only just become attached to the internet. It sounds like the dark ages, doesn't it? I suppose it is to my students now, but... I didn't have a way of then going and asking questions or 
And if you asked a question in my house, you got shot down. You got shot down. Like there was no room for debate. And what was really upsetting was that nobody could explain to me why my question was inappropriate. I was just shouted down and made to feel bad for asking things like, well, hang on a second. How does that work? I wasn't even being funny. How could I be political at that age? I had no clue about anything. I didn't even know about British politics, really. There's a blue team and a red team was about the size of it. Like I was much more interested in sport and uh, drama. I had no care for uh, politics or anything like that. So I wasn't being like some kind of uh, activist or I didn't even know what that was at that age. I didn't care. I was good at football and cricket. I wasn't interested in, you know, I like hockey and tennis. What's all of this? I didn't know about lizards. And I have to just say, I think lizards is actually rather a polite way to describe some of these disgusting yeah, people. Yeah. I have some much worse names than lizards. So I think lizards is a bit of a fair compromise. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Thank you for explaining like the kind of things that sort of fed in. I love the fact that your awakening didn't happen with just one thing. It's kind of more of a hybrid of lots of different stuff. And I think if people have the time to articulate that, they would also agree that there was no one thing, but that lots of things over time. And there's kind of like a, a straw that breaks. And, and for me, I think 9-11 was certainly a straw. I couldn't articulate it, but I knew that that was it for me. There was a, a huge problem here that other people didn't want to talk about. And I, I could see it and thought, hmm, I really don't like that. I felt real unease. And the fact that adults, all the adults around me, seemed to have no unease about it was... Except when they attack. So when you ask a question and they attack you and tell you to sit down and shut up, I could feel that, but I had no idea what that was about. And I didn't understand projection and... Yeah, kind sure. Of other things at that stage. So tell me some more about um, what's Definitely. happened since. Go ahead. I suppose another major aspect that kind of jumps out at me was fairly early on questioning the whole uh, vaccine um, debate, which uh, kind of, um, yeah, it's, it's quite relevant now, uh, um, and viruses. Um, I think it was back in. 2008, nine time that I saw that there was really like massive questions um, uh, that again weren't answered. They were just, and I think what it is, is it's, it, 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 go, it comes down to a lot of the time. And, I, and obviously back then I didn't, I didn't realize what it was, but it, the, the logical fallacies and um, things that are said by the the, the, the people who, who obviously want you to, to to believe a certain way, they, they, you know, they, they, they that's where the questions are. Uh, you know, um, how do, what do I want to say? They obviously they don't want you to go somewhere because they don't know the answer, and when they don't want the answer, they don't want to, uh, or they don't have the answer. It's well, uh, it has to be this way, or I'm wrong, and I've got a problem with that. Because what's the point? What's what's so bad about being wrong? Sometimes you learn at that point. If you don't want to, you know, it, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone's, you know, no one's perfect. So uh, if you if you don't want to face that question, there's a problem there. And like the the question with vaccines was to me like I think I had what is called chicken pox. Um, I think my mum. I I remember having it twice. She thinks I had it about four times, and for me. Every time it was a developmental uh, process, or it was a, it was yeah, it was a developmental process, and it was probably something to do with um, like a separation, not a separation from my parents, but of of some some aspect, like you know, my granddad died, and then I come up with a 
some sort of pox or and I'm not saying that was one of the things but it was you know like a big a big change in my life uh, and um or or it could be you know I'm going through uh you know my body's ready to upgrade and obviously I'm not conscious of that but my body knows what it needs to do and it, you know it goes through yeah it goes through a change and for me you know the whole idea of oh you catch something from somebody it just didn't work for me because you know some people don't get it okay and uh you can be in a room with them and they can be itching you know or coughing and sneezing and uh but i didn't get ill so well there's a problem there oh well that's because you're blah 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 right okay so that is just a like a massive sweeping statement which just shut up that's not the question we want to answer uh and if we go there we could be wrong so i think when it comes to the the vaccine that i read a great book back into i think it's 2008 2009 that round around that period by janine roberts i'm sure that's her name she's a um but she did another famous book if i've got the name wrong another uh, very famous book and it was about um the diamond mines i think blood diamonds or um i'm quite sure anyway it's it was sort of exposed to de Boers and you know that crime there that you know they're basically getting slaves to i haven't read that book but it's essentially getting slaves to dig out chunks of carbon and uh people put value on this item and sp- spend a lot of money on it and they kind of cornered the market and created the you know false dem- you know um artificial scarcity sort of demand thing anyway on the virus thing she kind of again asked the questions which you know good good journalists or reporters or whatever you um i call them should and she actually found that no one at any point has ever actually isolated a a virus that's a big problem and also where and and i don't know if she went into this in in this book but i'm aware of you know, other, I would call them investigators, but they're scientists, you know, pr- true scientists, actually doing the scientific method um, where they've tried to make people sick or people have gone about themselves trying to make them sick. I don't know, the bug chasers or whatever you call them, but they, they, they've actually wanted to test this and they've not gotten ill from it. They could be ill themselves or something. Um, and you know, you know, somebody I like again. Um, he's he, he's getting more and more popular now um, because he's again he's asked these sorts of questions. Somebody I'd I'd say people should should at least uh, try and find one of his videos. Just this Tom Barnett chap in uh, Australia. You know, great guy. He's he's definitely yeah he, he he's he's on target. Um, certainly on the um, viruses and, and and vaccine thing and uh, and other aspects that are all very uh, relevant at the time uh, now for like law and uh, what your rights are and all this stuff but um uh, he, he tried to make actually went out to make himself ill he saw found people that had i don't know some sort of illness and he was in a really bad shape and he had lots of questions about you know wh- why was he so ill and uh, he couldn't get himself once he if he was ill with something you couldn't catch anything else and that's you know he was like well this is really interesting and it's kind of in my experience too and yeah so 
they've never actually isolated a virus. No one has. And when they say they've taken pictures of it, well, mm, that's really problematic. When you, when you actually find out that the only thing that they've used to do so would be an electron, um, electron microscope or electron microscopy. And that's actually more of an art than a science. So that kind of like, okay, well, if it's not science, then we're kind of, we're stretching now. And, uh, and also, just a simple question blows it apart. So this would be my question. And it's not about, you know, necessarily, um, you, you, know, you could ask somebody who's got questions about the virus, oh, have they ever isolated it? No. Well, there you go then. It's simpler than that. You can go really simple. And it is this. Have you known anybody to have more than one virus at a time? Now, we're told that there are hundreds of viruses just floating around all the time and they can, oh, there could be new ones as well. Oh, they might come from bats or monkeys or whatever. Okay. But have you ever known anybody to have more than one virus at a time or diagnosed with? You haven't. No one has. Have you ever been to the doctors and said, well, what you've got here is you've got a case of chicken pox and whatever. No, they, they just say, right, you have got measles. Uh, that's a problem. Why, you know, what, what does the body decide what it has? Well, in that case, then that flies in the face of um, the whole idea that you can just catch anything. Um, if you, it, you know, uh, well, anyway, and, and obviously when you go down that road, obviously vaccines are, well, they're, in my opinion, they're the uh, dysgenic, I don't, don't call them eugenicists because eugenists, it's kind of like a, I know they use it for their genetics, but um, they are into dysgenics. They're into killing rather than, you know, mass genocide rather than um, actually helping anyone, which I would say is what eugenics is. They, the, the vaccines are, they're a weapon. That, that it can only be really described as that because there is nothing, and I mean nothing, in a vaccine which will do any good to you at all. Completely agree um, with you. I just want to dive in on the whole animal thing that you touched on there. This uh, viruses jump from bats to humans and from monkeys to humans. What a load of absolute garbage. It, it takes, it used to take about 800 years for maybe, possibly, it could maybe perhaps once in a million, maybe just leap from a, a bat to a human or whatever. It was a very tentative, extremely long process of 800 or more years. And all of a sudden it happens like that now. Well, you might want to discuss labs and, and before, I think we can all agree that before humans started interfering with stuff in labs, whether they do or whether they do not, before that happened, it used to take like many, many hundreds of years, if it's even provable. And I completely take what you say about this. Has it been isolated? Hasn't it argument? And I happen to agree that there's, there's some sort of uh, linguistic dodge, isn't there, where they talk about in silico, uh, which doesn't mean like in, mm. in the real world, in silico, silicon computers. So they say, oh, we have isolated it. Look, we've isolated it in silico. Ah, not so fast. Ah, 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 ah. We're not all that stupid. Most of us are, but not that stupid. Like, let's just check out this definition in vitreo in silico. In silico is different. Now, I'm I don't I'm not Latin. You know, I didn't I didn't have a you know a really brilliant education. I I was considered too stupid to study Latin. Thank you. Yes, obviously, that's another thing that's on my list once I've conquered French and German. 
Um, yeah, Latin is on the list, but and I'm smart enough to you know go check out the odd definition. And there is a massive problem with this isolation business. I think Dr. Andrew Kaufman is another one who's onto this massively. This whole idea of terrain theory rather than germ theory. I don't want to botch it for anybody. I'm sure people listening know more about it than I do. But essentially, germ theory is the idea that we share, we spread germs to one another. And terrain theory is actually things in your environment or in your own body actually make yourself unwell. And I love what you said about uh, the chicken pox and your own personal experience, because I've never actually heard anybody honest enough to talk about their own medical history and how it might actually not be related to anything other than someone else giving you a disease. It kind of seems to me like you're taking ultimate responsibility, like, oh no, my, I was in a developmental stage or whatever. Now, I have a very interesting uh, experience like you, I think, that when I was very young, and my father left when I was about nine, nine and a half, and I was the eldest child, I was daddy's girl. So it was a bit of a traumatic experience, a massively traumatic experience for me. And not very long after, or around about that time, I got asthma, epilepsy, and eczema. And it occurs to me now as an adult that not a single medical professional has actually stopped to think, now, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's the chances of that? Epilepsy, like a chronic childhood illness, a, a neurological uh, problem that used to cause me to have a fit and or pass out. Then you have asthma, which can sometimes be, well, I think possibly entirely psychosomatic. I don't want to upset anybody, but having been a chronic asthmatic, how much of that is panic and how much of that is asthma? But I don't, I genuinely don't know, having, you know, a diagnosed asthma about 10 years old, something like that, not 10, 10 and a half, about within, within a year of my father leaving. And this has plagued me for a very, very long time. Then one day when I became a postie, it sounds so random, doesn't it? But I did, I became a postie at 19 because I wanted to go to drama school and I'd been sort of bullied into going to law school and I'd quit law school and, and decided I was going to go and be an actress in the theatre. I do proper plays in, in proper theatres. So as I was waiting to do that, I decided to be a postie because I thought it'd be good exercise and, and a bit of a laugh. And you had to get up at three o'clock in the morning back then. Really bad. It was really, really early back in those days. And uh, I'd never been up at that kind of time. I've been awake at that kind of time from the night before, if you get my drift, but never had to get go to bed early and get up at that time. And I felt drunk. Like I was awake at 3 a.m., the alarm's going off, and I didn't know where the hell I was. I was at home, of course, but it was horrendous. I, I couldn't adjust. So I was racing. I was getting on my bicycle and racing to work at 3 o'clock in the morning. And then you open the, the mailroom doors, and it's like a hive of activity. There's floodlights everywhere, and there's people running around and shouting and throwing your parcels that say, fragile, be careful. They, those get kicked. Um, just, just saying. And it's, it's, it's a wild, wild place to work. And I loved it. I had a great time, I have to say. And I was, I, I was on a bicycle, so I used to have like two mail bags, and then you'd go and collect more mail bags. And I, I used to race another guy in the office. We used to have a, it's a bit like wacky races, me v him, and we used to have a wonderful time uh, delivering everyone's mail. And then three weeks later, I suddenly realised that I hadn't taken my inhalers for three weeks. Now I was told that I would die. But I was literally told I would die if I didn't take my oral steroids. I used to have this brown inhaler and sometimes a purple one. The blue one I could use as much as I wanted if I was in a panic or doing some sport or something. But the brown one was a, an oral steroid. And I was told that if I didn't take two puffs in the morning and two puffs at night, I would die. Right. So three weeks later, age 19, I'm like, oh, oh, I've, oh my God, I've not, I've not taken that for a week. What the? I'm not, wait a minute, I'm not dead. And I went through this whole massive process of huge cognitive dissonance. But I, I've had asthma all my life. I've had it for 10 years. I, I was, whoa, I was completely, well, I thought, well, hang on a minute. I'm going to carry on not taking this. 
because I'm fine. And I was really fit as well because I was doing all this cycling and racing and delivering the mail and I was fit and strong. I used to play football in my spare time. Um, I was a waitress too uh, and doing all kinds of other things, helping out with the local drama group and then doing teaching drama at, at the local high school. I was doing loads of things. And I, I, was, I didn't die. And I thought, oh, wow. So I, st- I carried on and I, didn't, I waited another two or three weeks and then told my mother, she went mental. When I told her that I, I'd forgotten to take my inhalers, she went crazy. I was 19, but she went crazy, absolutely mental about it. I said, well, hang on a minute. I've now not taken them for six weeks. So obviously I don't need them anymore. So then then, then the story is, oh, I've outgrown asthma. <laughs> what, in a day? Like yeah. just like that, in a week, in three weeks, in six weeks. So exactly. there's this, I just can't understand. Like I love, thank you for sharing your experience with the chicken pox because all of this weird stuff, like I don't have epilepsy, now I don't have asthma. Now I don't have like what happened. Like I just don't buy it. I wonder: a did uh, childhood vaccines maybe cause some problems? And b was it not more likely to be related to, related to trauma, real world trauma of my father leaving, rather than all of these random medical coincidences? I mean, come on! What adult didn't stop for a moment to think about that? Like as, as an adult, that makes me angry that not a single so called responsible adult in my life paused for us. I was on all kinds of terrible drugs, particularly for epilepsy, which dulled the brain. Um, I ended up in the lower sets when I went to high school. And then the day I came off the drugs for epilepsy, uh, I sat some, I, at the end of that academic year, I sat my test and jumped 130 places in the year. So I went from sort of mid, wow. middle and low sets to all the top sets. Oh yeah, because I worked really hard that year. No, I stopped taking these freaking drugs for epilepsy. It, it, like, yeah. how has nobody... Like nobody in my life twigged at all at this point. No one in my life was awake, not my my mother, nothing. No teachers, no doctors. Nobody had paused to consider these highly unusual and unlikely coincidences, as they call them, the coincidence theorists. So thank you for, right, you're another person that's, that's said to me, oh, wow, actually, these things, these things, these medical things happen, but actually... How much does it have to do with germs and how much does it have to do with misfortune? And isn't there a, an actually more logical explanation? Over to you with your with, with your logical fallacies, because I think we've just uh, covered one there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, misfortune or is it just, you know, harsh reality coming to bite you on the bum? You know, is it like, you know, or, you know, obviously when you're very, very young, you don't really have much control. of. Yeah, you can want ice cream all the time. But um, you know you don't have you don't have control of what goes in your body. Um, you're not you're you're uh, malleable to uh, somebody implanting their beliefs on you, and your your lifestyle is is whatever you're effectively given. You don't really have um, control over any of those things. And diet, belief, and lifestyle are the three things that effectively control if you're going to be ill or not if it really i mean or certainly disease and illness you know um if you've got a toxic belief that someone's going to make you ill you're going to get ill when you're around somebody who you think is going to get, you know and um your diet well if you eat bad food you know you have mcdonald's every morning what do you expect really you know um uh or you have that Costa coffee latte that has got 14 spoonfuls of sugar in, you know, come on, you know, it, it, it really wasn't Susan that was sneezing in the office. Do you know, it, it was, it was you, you did it. Just take responsibility for that, you know? Um, and so that's, what's that diet, 
uh, and uh, yeah, diet belief and life. You know, there, there we are. That, that if you take responsibility for all those, and you know that you know, yeah, I did. I do like to have a bottle of wine every Friday. Well, or whatever you know. That's gonna that's gonna come back on you. It just 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 own it, and you know you'll be better for it. And you be grateful, actually, be grateful for the fact that your body or maybe something more spiritual, possibly, has uh, given you a little warning sign, uh, and you can detox because i think where the where where you find and this is again this is conjecture i don't i can't prove this but where people suddenly die are things that a could be building up in the background um and yet to manifest but um you know sort of lost the train of thought i was going on there but you know it i i think it it can be well you know perhaps i would say it definitely could well be that it, it could be because you, nobody talks about disease in like um, you know I've got it, for instance like the cancer you know people say oh I've got stage four cancer or something well okay so there's obviously a stage 0.5 that nobody cares about there's the stage one that again no one really cares about stage three you might see a bump or a t- tumor or something um, and stage four is uh, emergency. So again, with everything else, you know, they don't, or put it this way, no one, no one says I'm in stage four health, <laughs> do they? It's always about the negative. Um, nobody, no, nobody sort of looks at preventative. Well, I say nobody, people, lots of people do, but they don't make that kind of uh, connection to um, the health side. It, it's all very reactionary. Yeah. Um, They've toxified prevention as well. You you just said it there that people don't talk about preventing. Well, the medical people, the medical cartel do, but their kind of preventions are like, oh, we'll take some biopsies, we'll cut pieces out of you and then decide if you're dying or not. Like I don't... poison burn, yeah. Yeah, I'm very, very anti uh, so-called preventative medicine. If you have symptoms, if you have serious symptoms and you are very, very concerned and you can't figure it out yourself, then maybe you do want to seek medical advice right? Maybe. But if you don't have symptoms and you're not sick and you're living a good life, you're eating well, you don't do too much drugs and alcohol or whatever and all the other garbage, then do you really think that there's going to be very much wrong with you? If, if, you're, if you're taking care about what you put in your mind, what you put in your body and what you do, how active you are, how many people with a six pack died of COVID-19? I know that's a really harsh thing to say, True. but I, I just... I've seen plenty of people with six packs die from the vaccine. That they're those footballers, the footballists who keep dropping dead or having heart attacks on the pitch. But those they didn't die of COVID nineteen. Notice, right? They did not get sick. They weren't, you know, Cristiano mm-hmm. Ronaldo famously yeah. tested positive, something ridiculous, like seven, eight, nine times, and he said these tests clearly don't work. He knows if that's yeah. a good example actually, because footballers are extremely fit in terms of cardiovascular output. That's your heart and lungs. These guys are, I know quite a bit about this because I used to be a a semi-professional football referee for men's football and uh, an international uh, assistant referee for women's football. And when you are that fit, you know that like just a a minor uh, sneeze, a minor really affects your performance. You actually won't get picked for the team if you just have like a slightly snotty nose because you just, your body just cannot perform at that 
absolute, uh, you know, pristine international football level or, or even national football level if you live yep. in a country like England where it's got a good, a good league, Italy, perhaps uh, Germany, France. It's not possible. So the, these footballers, they're very Spain. in touch yep. with their body. They know very well whether they are sick or not. And they know that the slightest amount of illness means that they can't perform. It doesn't mean they're going to infect other people or make anyone else sick. It just means that they cannot play in that match because they are not on their top of game. And if they're not, the other people are going to beat them because they are. So they don't play. Well, this is a guy, a very, and he, he happens to be one of the fittest and one of the best. Uh, I know a bit about Cristiano Ronaldo because I used to be a Manchester United fan before I realised that football was just to distract you from all the bad things that are going on. Um, but I, you know, I followed his career when he yeah, was me too, Madrid. Yeah. Oh wow, you, you you got out of the football paradigm too. Um, well done, well done. I, I only came out of it about yeah. two, three. I knew about it, but I only re- stopped participating uh, two, three years ago when they started kneeling down. Uh, for Black Lives Matter, and that's, that's yeah, when I yeah. ended my. That's when I officially ended my uh, love affair with with the beautiful, the so called beautiful game. Was that your, was that a yeah. similar experience for you? Well, actually, the death nail. I, I was a Manchester United fan, uh, the, and the only uh, tenuous link I've got to that area is my dad grew up in Stockport, and Stockport County were, were weren't exactly um, you know high flyers, but every, whenever they're on the um, Happened to be on TV and the cut, the FA Cup. My dad would you know, watch him and and uh, yeah. But anyway, but um, and he was he, he was a football fan and um, yeah. I I obviously yeah, we we had when I was a kid we had Sky TV and the only club basically guaranteed to be on every week was Manchester United and you know they they, they were big you know Ryan Giggs, Paul Scholes, Nicky Butt you know the, the, those they, those players. Um, Roy Keane, brilliant. I, I used to love all that. But as soon as the Glaziers took over, I know we're getting onto football now. So this, this is boring for a lot of people. But as soon as the Glaziers took over, um, that to me was like, yeah, they're they're, they're gone now. They're, I, I don't want anything to do with this. Um, you're very and, lucky. Uh, you're very very lucky. You know that your 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 dad didn't being in Stockport. If you don't support Stockport County, I, I used to live in Stockport. I was a football referee in Stockport. That's what that was my sort of base. I used to um, oh, right. operate, oh, wow. yeah, Talkington Park. On a Sunday morning, oh my life, one of my colleagues got chased off of Talkington Park with a machete. Uh, he must have had a really bad game. Um, oh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But my mum didn't like me refereeing there, but it, it, um, I was nobody ever chased me off with a machete anyway, so I obviously mustn't have done that badly. But um, yeah, it was. It, he's lucky because round Stockport Way, if you don't support County, that Park County, you become a city fan. They're yeah. all dirty city scum around there because... Uh, it's, it's a very, yeah, very blue, yeah. blue area. I was a bit of a, an outlier being a red, but that's because my grandma is from Newton Heath. Uh, my, my grandmother's family, uh, her mother, they all used to live in Newton Heath. And Newton Heath, of course, was the old railway team that changed its name to Manchester United. So I've got, I've got quite a long, my, my family yes. do go back with, with Man U. Um, I saw the light with that because, I mean, I, again, I, I'm with you on the Glazers business. I love those, the, the 90s with Fergie's fledglings and all that wonderful, you know, the, the, the yeah. iconic treble, the real treble. Uh, that was a fantastic, wonderful experience, yeah. really important experience in my life. Um, but when the, you're right to nail it, when the Glazers, when the big money came in and started making changes that weren't to do with football, they were to do with business, that really did, that really yeah. did spoil the enjoyment for me. But then when these, millionaires, young, fit millionaires started kneeling down for a Marxist organisation whose stated aims are to break down the nuclear family. I, I, I was enraged because these footballers, they okay, they do their two or three hours training in the mornings, then they don't have to do anything because they're paid very, very well. So why haven't they got time to check 
what Black Lives Matter really stands for. Like I, I was absolutely livid. Like most of pe- most of us people who would pay a fortune to go and watch uh, Manchester United buy tickets and all of that, we have to work really, really hard to be able to afford those tickets and the replica shirts and and to get shirts for the kids and and all the rest of it. Um, and we don't, we really don't have time to research things compared with them. And yet there they are. They do their three hours training and they're, you know, one or two matches a week. They don't have to do anything else because they don't need the money. Um, and they can't be bothered to check out what they're kneeling down for, virtue signaling this and virtue signaling that. They are they are role models to, to young children. And what an absolute disgrace that they uh, thought that this was an okay thing. I, I, I was horrified to see on Twitter, because my only contact, the only time I ever see anything to do with footballism, as I call it now, um, and, it, and I really was a proper fan. Like I was, I was a crazy football fan. I played the game for 20 years. I refereed for seven. I watched it my whole life. I watched almost every game Manchester United ever played in my lifetime and some that were played before my lifetime. Yeah. But I, I, I had to stop myself from doing it. I had to like cut the cancer out. The football's like a cancer. It takes over your time. It's It's a distraction. Um, but then occasionally you see it on Twitter. And I, I was horrified to see some of the England teams still now kneeling down before international matches. I think it was against Hungary or something the other night. I saw something on Twitter and they're still kneeling now. I'm like, what? what is this? Do you even know what you're kneeling for? What are you doing, you morons? Like, yeah. it's not an excuse to say, oh, I'll play football. I'm not bright. You've got loads of time. Like, you must have clever people in your life or somebody who can show you a couple of videos on the internet. I can show you in 10 minutes what, what a sham Black Lives Matter is. And I was really hurt. I was really, really hurt that that these teams would be doing stuff like that. So it was a bit of a, a nasty experience for me in, in 2020 when I when I saw all this happening to sport. The cricketers were wearing NHS stuff as well. And then when they started wiping the ball with a baby wipe, I've played county cricket. I played first. I played under-17s cricket and first 11 county cricket. I, I know my cricket. I was scouted for England twice. And uh, when they're wiping the ball with a baby wipe, what an absolute joke. Cricketers can't say they're stupid like footballers. They can't pull the I'm stupid card because they're not. Cricket's a an intelligent man's game. It really is an intelligent woman's game it, because it's there's a lot to yeah, yeah. tactics. It's a very, very complicated game. And there is no way that they believe that wiping the ball with a baby wipe was going to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. <laughs> I'm sorry, the whole thing. And I had, so I had, to, I had to stop my love affair with cricket. And then they started on the tennis. Is there anything left, Daryl? You know, I, yeah. I, I seem to have, in, in some respects, I'm grateful that it's pushed me to grow up and stop messing around with that stuff. And in other respects, I do, I do actually miss the pure sport i miss test cricket i miss watching the tennis i do i miss the occasional football match i do miss it but i i can't give that my attention and my energy now that i i see very clearly how manipulative it is and what it's being used for definitely um you know um i i it's in every aspect of our lives now so it, i think this is why you know very much so and it's all i suppose it's always been this way but it, it, it's more like you, you, you can't really avoid it anymore, and it, it, it's just the choice of, in a way, one one route or another. And if you go down the, you know, the the virtue signalling route, then it, I would say it doesn't end well for you. Um, I'm not going to say it's easy <laughs> on the other side, but you are going to, you're going to learn a lot more about yourself. Um, and well, and others, uh, you know, you, you find out who your friends are, that's for sure. Or if you've got any, uh, at all. And, um, yeah, the, there's so many aspects that you could derive from why they're doing it. I mean, you know, they're, why they're kneeling. Um, 
ultimately, I think it's, it, I'm not saying they, they're being paid by George Soros or, or somebody, but I mean, there is big money in football and, you know, you, I don't know. The high paid slaves. Uh, you know, it, it, you, you could, yeah, I mean, you could say, dare I say it, that um, a lot of the footballers are young black guys and they're probably haven't got a father figure. They're probably, um, you know, child, uh, children of single mothers. Um, the single mothers um, have a mentality uh, that is more socialist because they gain to, they, they, they um, are probably going to gain a lot more out of a system uh, that encourages you, let's face it, to not have a nuclear family, to not have a father around because you get more benefits, more welfare. And so then actually they're going to, you know, have that in that tendency towards um, doing what the father figure, which would be the government, um, well, kind of almost demand. Not that the government are openly doing it. Not that Boris Johnson does it. Uh, it we're, not, we're not talking about, you know, he doesn't run anything. Um, he's got less power in truth than, uh, well, than certainly you and me. I mean, he's, he, he's, you know, he's effectively, you know, a manager at Tesco's or something. He, he, uh, you know, the, 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 I wouldn't the, even the trust him to do that. Think are I in charge of us. I wouldn't even trust Boris Johnson to, to no, be no, a manager and, at Tesco's at this stage. Oh, definitely not. But you know, he's. Oh, you know, you wouldn't buy a used car off him. So, you know, this is the the thing when you get to the the, the kind of um, the, the 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 side or the the avenue of of law and things like that. And I'm I'm very much a novice in it all. You realise that what you think has power over you has zero power. The only power um, it has is what you give it and um you know that all these governments are actually corporations corporations coming from the word corpse which is a dead entity um blah 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 you know you go down that road and uh, you, they don't have any power over you i think and um i'm not going to vote i don't care what people think certainly not in a general election because I kind of, I suppose the, the clues in the in the term, just a general election, that's general, yeah, general election, who cares, general. Whereas a local election, you actually might have some say on what, hap what happens in your life. You might, you know, you might actually be able to talk to the person, your, your counsellor, your, you know, um, yeah, I, I think they, and this is, you know, the, I suppose the, the, the last time I got, I, I suppose I've always voted when I have, because I thought it was the right thing to do. Um, I've, I've, I think the whole uh, COVID thing has kind of changed my mind on that. But Brexit for me was quite a big thing that I wanted to make sure we, we, we voted out. I, I, I was very much and still am a Leave supporter. I don't support the government um, because, you know, that, the whole thing was just, when you're looking back, it was just totally hijacked. Um, I don't, this, I don't trust Nigel Farage either, but he says a lot of good stuff. And I like when he has a, or used to stand up in the um, European Parliament and, uh, you know, tell him a few home truths. Uh, that was great, but I don't trust him. And I don't, I certainly don't trust, uh, I never trusted any of the Conservatives. Um, they, you know, they talk a good game when it, when it, when they want to. But um, yeah, it was important for me that we at least voted out. Um, and 
uh, I, I'll, I'll remember David Cameron uh, as the, um, uh, how can I say it, the overly confident little prick that gave us the opportunity to, to actually have freedom. Um, because I, he definitely didn't think it was going to go that way. And that, that always makes me laugh. Um, and uh, just going back, I, I always remember I, I was up, I was up very, very early, like, I don't know, like three or four o'clock in the morning. Um, and it wasn't because I wanted to be up. I just woke up and I thought, I'm going to put on the news and see what, see what the result is um, on the Brexit election. And I just remember it was probably the most pleasing thing I'd seen or maybe ever seen. And that was Keith Baz almost cr basically crying on TV that he'd lost. And it was so pleasing. I, I just, I, I have to say that I was, I was too pleased to see that, that, uh, you know, he's such a odious little character um, that, that gave me a lot of, a lot of pleasure. And I, 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 you know, I probably shouldn't have been so pleased about it because I mean, it's not really got us anywhere now because they, you know, as we always say, the agenda drives forward no matter who's in charge. And if anything I've seen, and, and I suppose this is, this is something that has solidified my thought on the whole general election um, farce is whenever you think, oh, conservatives are in and they are going to conserve something, they're worse than Labour. And when Labour are in, in power, they're like more warmongery <laughs> than what you think the conservatives are. Uh, it, it's all like a shield of whatever the agenda is. You know, and it, it works in all all the countries. You know, Barack Obama, I think, dropped more bombs than all of the presidents combined, or something just crazy. And everyone thinks he he was going to stop everything. He didn't. Uh, I don't. I used to like Trump. Um, I think he was. He's probably uh, at best a a unaware puppet. But you know, he too got involved with the whole like virtue signaling thing and and I will never forgive him for being the guy who basically said it's his vaccine his the covid the Pfizer vaccine which is the big one you know for for the america at the you know in the start obviously we had the AstraZeneca he basically said you know that's my vaccine if it, if it wasn't for me it wouldn't be there right first of all that's rubbish and second of all do you really want to put your name on that i'll never forgive him for that and i we, i used to go to work and say to people oh trump he's a great guy you know oh, i love it. have you listened to his speech brilliant brilliant and he did say a lot of good stuff in his speeches but you know did he put hillary in uh, in prison no he didn't he didn't lock her up i will never forgive him for failing to pardon edward snowden and julian assange yeah. If he was really the man that we thought he was, then President Trump would have pardoned Snowden and Assange because they seem to me to be guys that told the truth or that allowed truth to be told. Uh, we, there's so many things that we wouldn't know, so many scandals and, and horrific things that happened that the state inflicted on other states. Uh, by the state, I'm talking about the United States of America and Britain chiefly, although other states are obviously involved with that. But the some of the d disgraceful things, the, the, some of the worst things in our checkered, let's say, history, have been exposed by the likes of, of Snowden and Assange. And, and the way that Trump uh, declined to 
uh, pardon either of them in his last days in office. I, I think really is, you know, by their fruits, we will know them, right? What did he do? Well, I'm not, you know, I don't want to criticise President Trump too heavily because I agree that he did do some, you know, good things. And he he um, engaged in a lot less warmongering than the Nobel piece of crap prize winner, uh, Barack Obama, who, by the way, um, the deadline for the nominations for the Nobel Peace Prize were due about 12 days, 12 days after Barack Obama uh, won the White House in his first term of presidency. So he was nominated <laughs> just... 12 days into his presidency for the Nobel Peace Prize, hence Nobel Peace of Crap Prize winner Barack Obama. It's a com- come on, people, 12 days. He, dro- he said he was going to close Guantanamo Bay. It's still open. It's still open now. Extraordinary rendition yeah, yeah. is still taking place in our name. Like, guys, come on. We we need to be uh, realistic about these demons that are that are in power. And if and if we, I love what you said about the the general election. I mean, if you've watched Two Thousand Mules, don't just think that goes on in America. Don't think that's an America problem. Yeah, rigging elect. I mean, what you really think that that's not possible in the United Kingdom? You think that only happens in Uganda and and now the United States? Get a grip, guys. Go do yourself a favor. Go and find Two Thousand Mules. Watch it, and then we'll have a conversation about elections because it's time we 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 grew up. We're extremely naive about uh, the political system. I love the way that you've looked at the word general and thought, hmm, yeah, general doesn't really matter. It's general. It's generic. It's ge- yeah. I like. I very much. Um, I'm on the same same page as that with with the voting. To me, if it made a difference, they wouldn't let you do it. I think I'm stealing someone else's uh, great words there. But also with the election thing, it seems to me that. Politics is a punch and Jody, uh, Jody punch and Judy show. It's for me. It's what um, people who mm. don't do football follow. So if you don't follow football, the red versus yeah. blue, United versus City. If you're not United City or Liverpool Everton or Chelsea Arsenal or whatever, then you do um, you know Labour Tory, don't you? You do you, all you, red blue, by the way. Everybody's been put into mm-hmm. a category, and 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 if you really can't stand any of that, then you follow yeah. the cricket, the Aussies, and and, and the Poms. You know. Everything seems to me to have been set up with a, a left versus right, a red versus blue. Why is everything so, so binary? You either for this or you're for that. And it's training. It's, it's programming our minds to be, oh, I'm, I'm in this tribe, not that one. I'm in this tribe, not that one. And I'm in this other tribe, but definitely not that one. They're constantly setting up these sort of supposed polar opposites. And behind closed doors, they all drink in the same bars. Yeah. They all slap each It's a bit like the pantomime villain. You know, all, all the children are absolutely terrified of the pantomime villain. But backstage, he's sat there, you know, he's, he's having a fag and a coffee with the pantomime dame who everybody loves. These people work together behind the scenes. That's that's what all of this stuff is. That they're, they're presenting to you a Punch and Judy show, a pantomime, whatever. And just because you think that there are some clever terms discussed in politics, which makes you better uh, than the footballists. Well, actually, you're, you're talking about the same stuff using slightly different language and all to the same end. It means that you never find truth. You never find out or investigate what's really happening in, in the world around you because you're constantly locked in a left, right or blue, red paradigm, not to put too much of a, a generalisation on a complicated problem there. <laughs> what, what, what say you? What say you to that? I think I think you're you're right on the money. I think it, it is it is very... Uh... It can be a basic, it can be a very simple thing. And I think, yeah, it, there, there is a, it's the easiest distraction, divide and conquer. It's the easiest, easiest thing to do. Uh, it's kind of a bit disappointing. We are so easy to deceive. And I, and I fall for things. 
Um, I'd like to think that I'm, uh, you know, cross-legged on a mountain. I'm, I'm certainly not. And, and you know, I, I know what's going on. Well, I know some things. I know some things that definitely don't make sense. And, and like you, you said there, the, the false dichotomy or the black-white fallacy, that's a logical fallacy. There, there is, there, there, there is grey areas. And, you know, um, there we are. You know, going back to, you know, something that's dear to me is that, you know, the whole logical fallacy and, 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 and that happened. Um, you know, w- when you will find yourself in that, and I suppose, I suppose I kind of did it earlier saying, you know, you, you, it, the world seems to be very much so in a crossroads where you either go down a, uh, an avenue of truth or, or, or you go along with, you know, the narrative. Um, so, I, you know, like I say, I, I, I fall for, for that sort of thing too. Um, and, and, and you, I suppose the other thing, the reminder for me as well is, you know, the, the, some of the greatest people are still to come and, and they can be, because, you know, I'll be honest, I, I, I thought there'd be more death from this vaccine. And I think there probably will be to come because some of these things are, uh, they accumulate in your body. And if you overload it, I think the body says, right, that's it. I've had enough. Uh, we're going to do a major either detoxification or whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to take this, but you know something's got to happen. Uh, otherwise, you will just die. Um, uh, potentially, that's, again, I can't prove that, but that, that, that's that, to me that kind of makes sense. Um, but uh, I have to remind myself that some of the best people are still to come. The greatest bit, and I, you know, like you mentioned, Andrew Kaufman, um, MD. Uh, Tom Cowan's another one, brilliant. Just br- he, he really breaks things down very simply um, and asks it just uh, you know just very 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 obvious questions that you know I just you wish you come up with you, you come up with yourself and they just you know you just ask a little question and it just destroys every all of the all of the you know lies that are surround these these things in our lives and. Yeah, some of the best people are still to come. They've probably been jabbed and they will probably, if they refuse the boosters and whatever and, and the, the, you know, they see it happening again, like, oh, no, I was really badly affected by that. I ain't doing that again. You know, I was given all my vaccines as, as a child. And like you say, with your um, asthma and, and epilepsy, you know, it could have been that, that could be a massive factor, and some people would say, "Oh, well, that's it. Yeah, that was just definitely it. That, 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 that's all you need to know." Maybe, maybe other aspects to um, what you've done in your life, or what people have done to you, or maybe you attracted that. Is there? Is there? That's a big question. Is there any innocent victim? That's something to think about. Do, do you? Do we always attract something that we need in life? But you know, we don't think we want it. Well, we probably don't want it, but do we need it to happen? I don't know. Is there any innocent victim? I don't know. It's a very, very good question. Very fine question. My interpretation of it as an adult in my personal life is that when I was when I was younger, is that I needed attention. I badly need. I must have needed attention. The attention and the love of my father was gone, completely gone. Could be. I uh, never saw him again. And probably yeah, the asthma and all the epilepsy was a physical representation of, hey, I need some attention over here. I need some help over here. Like I'm trying to grow and I'm, I'm, I'm like nine, ten. I don't have a dad. This is difficult. And to me, that's that's 
I can't prove yeah, yeah. it and I don't know and I'm not saying that I know, but I, I do think it's highly suspicious that I I became extremely unwell in and around that extremely traumatic time. I'm not into coincidences. I think that we should at least look for, look at the whole person, treat the whole person and think about what's going on in their life, what, what things might have combined even to cause. N- notice how it's like, oh, it's either this caused it or that. It's either you were attention seeking or it was the vaccines. Well, no, guys, no. It might be neither or both of those things. Why can't it be a combination of things? And, and I, yeah. I think we don't ever, we, we never, and, look, we'd never look at that, do we? It's never, it's never more than either this or that, is it? It's never A, B, and C. We don't get, to, we don't, don't get to ask those questions. Absolutely, and it, it's it's so easy to fall into the uh, victim mentality, isn't it? It's like, oh well, you know, they sneezed and I got ill. You know, oh, it's, it's them. It's everyone else doing it. You're not wearing a mask, so you're going to make me ill. You didn't get the vaccine, so you're going to make me ill. Uh, well, have you looked in what's in that in that vaccine? Have you have you uh, taken a little? I mean, obviously they don't want to tell you, but you you only have to look at what was in the vaccines before and say it's probably not going to be a lot better than that. Um, you know, if you're going to put if you're going to put um, uh, very highly highly toxic antibiotics which uh, go after your uh, go after kidney cells, uh, and that's you know prove hundred uh, percent provable. Uh, there's so many studies that, that prove that. Um, if you're going to put human embryotic, embryonic uh, uh, kidney cells and monkey kidney cells in your body, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Could you think something good is going to happen? Do you, and, and not only that, uh, where in nature, other than in my mind, maybe a mosquito, would something be injected directly into your bloodstream? That doesn't happen, does it? No, no. It's not sprayed at you, the vaccine, is it? Because if they sprayed it, it you'd have to call, call um, poison control or some sort of thing. Because if that, if that bile's dropped on the floor, you've now got a toxic waste hazard. Um, and you want to inject that into your, your body? Like, uh, excuse me? That's, that's going to do that because... Yeah, anyway. It strikes me that a lot of the vaccine crazies, the pushes of vaccines, it's actually already been pre-decided. But it's something that you said earlier that you have so many of these vaccines when you're a child, i.e. you have no say. Your parents decide and your doctors decide whether or not you, well, they decide that you are having these things typically. So by the time you're a grown adult, you've already had loads of these things. You're you're already, uh, you know, you're one of those people who shoot up state-sanctioned injectables on the weekends. You're already in team vaccination because you've already had them. So what they're doing is, it's like pre-indoctrination. You're jabbed the minute you pop out of the womb these days. And, and therefore, you're already a vaxxer. You're already pro-vaccine before you've even had the chance yourself to look at things and decide whether or not you want to put that stuff in your body. So they've actually already made pro-vaxxers before you've even hit puberty. Like you haven't even figured out who you are yet or anything about any, anyone or anything around you, let alone yourself. And you're already a pro-vaxxer. And, it, and I think this, this hits into this. Um, I'm not quite sure how this all ties together, but you mentioned the victim mentality. This kind of, oh, it's been done to me. Yeah, I see that everywhere. One of the greatest cures, parents, listen up, grandparents, one of the greatest cures for victim mentality is sport. Now, I know I've just given sport, uh, Daryl and I have both just given sport an absolute hammering, but we're talking at elite level. We're talking at serious money level. We're talking at performance level. When you, I I want to go back and take sport to its grassroots 
Because down there, that is where all of the magic happens. I want your children to play football and cricket and do martial arts and play tennis and, and throw javelins. And sport is one of the greatest teachers. Sport teaches you about life. It teaches you about the tough stuff. It teaches you to take hard knocks. It teaches you to put up with adversity. It teaches you to face down bullies. It teaches you to overcome adversity. Sport, I am a massive, massive advocate for sport. So please, just because I'm slating the Premier League and I'm very, very angry with uh, international and, and, and county cricket, please do not think I am anti-sport. I am the opposite. You need sport for your children. Your children must play sport because it te- whatever sport it is, I don't care. It can be archery, preferably something that's that's physical though, because that, that contact sports really teach you that life isn't fair, that bigger people can hurt you. And actually, these, these tough lessons in, in a relatively safe environment are vital for your life. They stop you, then they stop your child becoming a victim. Because when you play sport, you realise how much of your life is in your own hands, how much if you take responsibility, you do your training right, you do your preparation right, you eat right, you sleep right, you train right, you practice right, how much success you then have. And children are very good at translating play into real life. Sport is like play. It's having fun, but it's a really good, it's a it's a crucible, it's, it's one of the most fantastic learning environments you can possibly have. And that's why we have dumbasses teaching PE in schools, because we don't want children falling in love with sport. God forbid. Imagine if you had inspirational people teaching sport. I mean, oh, then we'd have a population that took responsibility for their own health and well-being, believed in themselves, believed in other people, and actually worked together in legitimate teams, in legitimate, genuine harmony, rather than all of this left, right, blue, red, fake stuff. So I don't want to like become the anti-sport. I am not. I, I love sport. I am I am extremely pro-sport, but we must be careful. Again, it comes back to role models and, and who are we looking to. Don't be looking to other people to come and save you. Don't be looking to somebody else to, to, oh, I want to emulate David Beckham. No, you don't. You want to be you. You want to grow into the, you know, who you really are. Not, I guess we've, I've just taken us right back to David Icke, where we, where we, get, where we, uh, where we started um, yeah. with your mum reading, reading the David Icke books. He talks about being, you, you, are, you are all there ever yeah. has been, ever will be, and ever can be or something. He says it better than that. But it, there's a huge, huge amount of truth. All of the greats talk about love and, and coming back to self. And it's all, all already within you. And if it's all already within you, it wasn't really Susie sneezing in the office that made you sick now, was it? To quote you back at you. Well done, Carol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, and David Icke hasn't got all the answers, but I, yeah, he's definitely a good, yeah, de- definitely early books, definitely a good place to start. Um, yeah, I mean, I say start, I'm sure people that are here listening uh, are well aware of him and probably read the books too but uh yeah um yeah i have one I, final. I, yeah I, I agree with everything you said thank you sorry Go. i have one final question for you if i may thank you thank you for the endorsement i was a little bit on, on soapbox there but I, I mean every word of it i have one final question for you uh, and it relates to uh september kind of i'm, I'm wondering about your daughter, because I know that you're extremely interested in, uh, in education and you're a proactive dad, just someone who, who uh, you know, works really hard uh, with, with your little one. And I'm wondering uh, what, what it's like to be in your shoes. How do you feel right now looking ahead to September? Oh, um, so yes, my little daughter is going to start primary school, most probably, with we've awarded the uniform. It looks like a full-blown conclusion she's going. Um, 
And in a way, it might be a really good thing that at least we get a taster of what's in store. Um, I, I mean, I suppose everybody, when they consider homeschooling, thinks, can it be done? Can I do it? Have I, I don't know these things myself. You know, the, the obvious questions. Um, I'm pretty confident, whatever it is, when you're talking about a five-year-old, I think I've probably got that. I, I can do that, you know. Um, and um, yeah, um, I, I, I'm pro doing the homeschool thing. I would say that because it would probably be me doing it. And um, as I'm a stay-at-home dad, um, my wife's less so. Uh, it's not that I'm shying away from getting a job or anything. Um, I've worked all my life, but uh, it, we, we kind of, as a couple, intuitively knew that we could survive on less in this period of time. Um, and what is the sense in uh, paying someone because I've never earned big money. I've I've been close to minimum wage for one of a reason. I've probably got some childhood trauma or something that uh, means I don't think I'm good enough or I don't know what it is. But I've never earned massive money. So what's the point of going to work to earn the essentially minimum wage, to pay somebody minimum wage to watch my child when I'd do a better job anyway? Because, you know... It's my, you know, it's my daughter. There's so, some real logical thinking um, for you. You've, di- you've done that. A, you, you've absolutely nailed it there with um, that. That's proper logic, isn't it? Hang on a minute. I go to work for minimum wage so that I pay that money so that somebody else gets to be with my daughter when I would do a better job because I love her and I know her and she's mine. Like it's completely, it's so obvious when you think about it, but it's, it's people don't think about it. And this whole kind of, oh, am I smart enough to educate? Am I like... Guys, do you really think these teachers with the blue hair and the nose rings on the weekends, do you really think they know more than you do about anything? These people don't even know which gender they are. They think there's like 80 of them or something mental. I know I'm kind <laughs> of being a little bit, you know, not all teachers are like that. Of course they're not. But these are the kinds of people that are now stepping into the classroom. We've got a younger and younger and younger generation of teachers. And younger, not just in years, but in, in, in terms of maturity. The, most, most of these young teachers are not adults. They might be on paper, but they're not men and women. They haven't lived a life. What do you think they can possibly teach your child that you can't? I really, like, I, I, I know the answer to that question. And I think most people listening to this ultimately know the answer to that question. The, these people, they're teaching things that aren't true. They, they think they, the problem is with a lot of teachers is they think they know the answers. Real teachers know they don't know the answers. Real teachers know that they do not yes. know the answers. And I love the fact, I think you said this a couple of weeks ago, which inspired me to invite you on, that your daughter loves to ask why. Why this, Daddy? Why, why is the yes, sky blue? Yes, she does. And that, the fact, I, lo- I love that you're really second-guessing everything now, that you're, you're asking yourself, yeah, actually, why is the sky blue? Because they said this about refracted light, and that, but actually, is that true? And, do, and how wonderful. You are going to be one of the most wonderful teachers because you already know that you don't know anything. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you become a great teacher. You have to first admit that you don't really know anything, and you have to accumulate and build your knowledge in a truthful manner, in a genuine... You have to do the work yourself and relying too much on other people is only going to muddy the water. It's going to, you, you're like, actually, do I know that? Or did I just crib that off someone that I like? Did, did I just believe that? Because I, and it was, it was when you were saying that she's asking why about everything. And you're like, actually, 
I don't know. <laughs> and I just thought that that was the most wonderful advert. This is real teaching. This is what it's like. And it's okay to not know the answers. And I'd much prefer people to be honest and admit to children that they don't actually know the answers than to lie and pretend they know the answers. Because all we do is breed successive generations of people who just lie all the time. They say they know the answers and they have because they were told that by somebody that they liked or they believed or they trusted. That's not okay. Let's stop lying to our children. Let's, 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 okay, we might have very, very little knowledge in the beginning, but at least what we have, we hold. At least we are standing in truth and, and only dealing in truth. And, and that way, I think we're going to go on to develop a truly highly intelligent population of real people, real men, real women who are honest enough to go, do you know what? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But shall we set up an investigation to find out? Wouldn't that be great? Mm, that would be, yeah, that is, that is it. That is, that is what it's all about, definitely. Listen, thank you so much for your time. I, I really appreciate it. And um, I love the fact that your little one keeps asking why. I, must I, I, know I don't <laughs> have to tell you this. I, I know you'll encourage it. It's the most wonderful question. I, I call myself a why bird. I always used to ask why, and people used to think I was being impertinent or or rude or something, and I wasn't. I just wanted to know. I just wanted to know why. And we must not bully that out of our children. It's it's one of those scandalous things that, that uh, has happened, and it has to stop. And it's taking place in schools, and it chiefly, and we, we must stop that. Children must be insatiably curious. And, uh, well, here's one for the why birds. I'm going to leave with um, uh, uh, one final reminder that, uh, ladies and gentlemen, be responsible. You know, it really wasn't Susie sneezing in the office that made you sick. Okay. Uh, they are the words of Daryl, and I shall leave you with those. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. Thank you. Take back your individual sovereignty and that of your family. Visit sarahplumley.substack.com and subscribe for free to stay up to speed with all things education, not indoctrination.